Welcome to episode eight of season two of Armchair Donkeys. Pumped to welcome back Bob and Chez on the show today. Bob. So last, so last Tuesday, uh, Chez called me on his way home from Boulder after giving our buffs a motivational pep talk. And he says, look, I want you to put $100 on the buffs to beat Cal. I'll Venmo you if we lose. You know, unfortunately, I wasn't able to find money line odds on that game. But for those of you who want to see one of the greatest motivational speeches of all time, check out Matt's Twitter or Instagram at Six Zero Academy. Now, TikTok before we as well, and and on TikTok. Now, before we get to gambling, I want to talk about something from that speech that showed up on the field on Saturday. Nine on seven. So there, there's two schools of thought when it comes to coaching football. The first being, we don't want our guys to get hurt. And as someone who played for New Heisel, where Carl was our offensive coordinator, um, we had incredible talent when I arrived in Boulder in 1998. But our practices were a cakewalk. Ben Barnett comes in, and he took all that talent that we had with a hard-nosed three-a-day training camp. Oh, three-a-days. In-season practices that consisted of inside run periods two, two, uh, one or two times a week. And he was yeah. able to he was able to mold us into Big Twelve champions. You know what are your thoughts on this, Chez? Buffs went all out with nine on seven last week and got the win on Sunday. Is there a fine line between protecting your players and molding them into men? Well, there's no fine line. There's one way to do it, and the other way is wrong. And regardless of era, regardless of your scheme, your terminology. If you played quarterback, kicker, punter, receiver, I don't give a shit. If you never even played, if you're a Todd Haley, what's the dude at the, at the Dolphins? He's from Colorado. Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel, yeah. McDaniel, like I, he's a little, he's a weirdo, but bro, he's the head coach in the NFL. Never played, and that's cool. You ain't got to play to go be a coach. It's all good, but. There's one train of thought on nine and seven. We need to do it. We need to do it a lot. We need to make sure that we're doing it correctly. And everyone needs to go full speed. People get hurt when they go half speed, bro. Not the other way around. And you, all of us, you three, or us three, we, the royal we, the editorial, all right? <clears throat> we all know that. So what I'm saying is simply this. The University of Colorado, any team in the country, if you want to hard-nose, callous your football team and you want them to be tough and you want them to show up and fight and not quit and not turn their tail and, and duck and run and, oh, it's too hard, I'm going to rely on the other guy to get to make a play, not me. Don't do 9 on 7. But if you want a team that will chew glass, all right, and, and come back and fight you on every fucking down, every play, every day, it has to be the staple. And that's what I told them. You guys watch the fucking video. I mean, Bo, I don't know how many times we've gone against each other head to head when you're always getting help, by the way, trade blocks. You know, all those all those opportunities. I knew that if I didn't bring my A, you were going to put me in the fucking ground. That's just the way this works. I knew that if I didn't bring my A game, Dre and Vic and Dan were going to fuck me up at practice, no less. I knew that if we didn't do things correctly... It was going to be exposed on film in front of my family, my teammates. This was going to not only embarrass me at an ultimate level, but I don't know how many times I heard Barnett and Wilson and everyone else in that building that we all learned from, all those coaches that molded us from menaces and the fucking men. But how many times did you hear play for the name on the front and the back? Because I heard it almost every day. 
almost every motherfucking day. I heard quarterbacks. I heard leaders, i.e. old Graybeard over there, okay, Captain Graybeard, all right? Every time the offense fucked up, I don't care if you're first-round pick, Daniel Graham, if you're Vic, nobody could talk. Ain't tell, nobody telling Vic shit. Vic would get in your face. If you're Dre, best offensive lineman maybe in the history of the University of that that uh, University of Colorado up there. If you're Cortland, if you're Chris, trying to navigate all those guys in the backfield and all the male egos and all that shit. That's the kind of leader that we needed at that time, and we need now, and every team needs. You know, look at look at just the dichotomy of the NFL right now. I'm not talking a lot, but I got a lot to say on this topic. Tom Brady's being criticized right now for going, and if you read his lips in the in the Tampa Bay sideline feud or whatever, where he's yelling at his young offensive line, Ryan Jensen, whose dungeon family, his center is not there. He's hurt. And Brady's saying, you got to get your fucking shit together. You're super fucking better, or you're so much fucking better than this. You're super players. You have the potential to be great. Get your fucking head out of your ass. You're fucking better than this. And all people hear is tone and the soft-ass society we live in tries to twirl it into something that it's not. So, look, the nine-on-seven and the toughness aspect, it's what, even if you want to throw the ball 70-30, you've got to have the ability to get a yard. You need to be able to pick up you know, in practice, who you can really rely on from a physical standpoint because it has been toned back so much. When you get those opportunities, they have got to be exploited consistently and everybody's got to be bought into that shit. And look, when I called you in the car driving home, I'm not, you know me, dog. I'm not just calling you to hype it up. If if they're not going to win, I think they're going to get shit stomped. Of course, I want them to win. I'm always the eternal optimist with these guys. But I'm not going to sit there and act like they're not going to get crushed. I thought they were actually going to step out on the field and play the way they did. And they did. And it was fucking big time. And the atmosphere at that place was incredible. And it's just one win on a bad football team that doesn't have a lot of prospects and everybody's hating on. And they flipped flipped it for real in a week. Okay. All right, so, all right, all right. So, so let's 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 do this. I'm gonna flip the script a little bit. I was gonna go, it. I was gonna go to Eugene first, but you know, I can say in five years, I did two ankle sprains, I did an AC joint, uh, all in nine on seven, but it also turned me into a nasty cut block and son of a bitch uh, at H back, and true. it was something that our team needed. Let's let's go to Corvallis then. Let's talk about this Buffs team since we're here right now. 23 and a half points on the road in this one. Uh, 24 now. The over-under in this game is is 48 and a half. Uh, why don't you start us off, Chez? All right, so look, it's 24 now on, on one of the books that I saw, but 23, 23 and a half, 24. <laughs> it's a fucking lot, okay? Um, Corvallis is half a stadium right now. Bob, I'm sure you've traveled up there, right? I have, yeah. I mean, I, I have never been to Corvallis. What's the atmosphere like, Doug? It's, Dead. It's, Dead? It's, I, it's it, not like Eugene at all, right? It, it's pretty. No. It's pretty rowdy when they're good. Um, and uh, it was it was loud as fuck in that SC game when they had okay. SC up there. And they're and pretty they, good. Look, they're pretty they good this year. Could have won that game as well. So look, they play hard as fuck. Corvallis is not like a destination. I had Sanford. Coach Mike Sanford, the head coach, the intern head coach, to see you right now. 
on my podcast, Savage and Just a Little Bit Average, on Tuesday. And it, it's up right now on all the different platforms. You can check it out on YouTube as well. And he was saying it's like a fucking super long flight. You get into this place, you have to go an hour here, 45 minutes here, three hours here, get to the fucking hotel and do it all again the next day to go play. And look, that's just what it is. That's kind of the shitty part of being in the fucking Pac-12 and having to fly to Corvallis to play the Beavers. So if they can overcome that hurdle, which is really what's freaking me out the most, not necessarily the play on the field, I think they have a legitimate shot to go up there and fucking get a W. And I'm an omen type, okay? So when I look at the sports book for the first time all all week about this game, I've been intentionally not looking at it, trying to really put it off. It's plus 1160. So <laughs> I, you know me, dog. I've laid 100 on that motherfucker, and I'm going to get paid again <laughs> if they fucking blow it off the top. And, and look, I if you scared money don't make money, and I truly think that, this team from a mental standpoint has started believing in themselves and each other differently than they were at, at the start. And yes, I'm a crazy eternal optimist for doing this, but when it fucking hits, don't be telling me I'm nuts again. Cause last <laughs> week everybody told me I was fucking crazy and it fucking hit. So I, I think that they have a legitimate shot. Remember they won this game in Folsom last year against a ranked at the time Oregon state team. Bob. Man, there is a shitload of stuff going on in the first nine minutes of this podcast today. Um, <laughs> all right, let me. I love it, let me, dude. Let me try to backtrack here on everything that's been going on. Um, <laughs> the, okay, I love the energy that 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 Mike brought to the table last weekend, Coach Sanford. I mean, it was a whole. It, the sideline was different. The team was different without Carl there, and it's it is what it is. I, I hate to say it, but I mean. That sideline was dead for the first five, six weeks of the season. And, and, and now there's a whole different amount of energy there. Now, going to Corvallis, I think it's, it's not an exciting place to play. And also, that, like you said, the stadium is half under renovation right now. But if, if travel is going to be like it has been over the last six years over different coaches, um, you, they're going to fly into Eugene. They're going to stay in Eugene. And you're going to drive almost an hour, maybe a little more to Corvallis for this game. So if they're going up there to walk through and then back and then back the next day, you're not going to, you don't walk into Ricer Stadium or whatever it's called and get excited. It's not like walking into, you know, UT or Nebraska or some of these really cool stadiums that these kids get to play in or UCLA or USC, whoever. It's boring, right? So there's not that energy there. Um, I think this is going to be – a very tough game for the Buffs because I don't think they travel well. I don't think they play well on the road. Um, yeah. I mean, do I think they can keep it within 24? Probably, but if, am I confident saying that? No, not after just one weekend against a Cal team that I, I don't, didn't look very good to me. So, um, I mean, I hope they go up there and I hope they keep the energy the way it is because we all bleed black and gold, but I'm not I don't like betting this game. Damn yeah, it. I'm, I, I'd, I'd love to see us be able to carry the momentum on that win. 23 and a half is that's a ton of points. Uh, but you know, I'm gonna stay away. I've got the buffs to win three and a half games on the season at plus 150, and I'm going to just pray 
that we can find a way to get three more games. I don't know where they're going to come, but you know, if, if, if this team's got the grit and determination to turn this season around, if that bet's going to hit, we got to find a way to get this game. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, Hammer the Beavers. Let's go up the road um, to Eugene, Bob, where the Bruins are getting six points against the Oregon Ducks. The over-under in this game is 70 and a half. Um, I'm still a big UCLA fan right now. And, and Thompson Robinson and how he's playing and leading that team and just the offensive firepower they have. And so I'm going to have a – I'm going to have an interesting show today here, guys. I'm going to, t- I'm going to be talking about three road underdogs that I think are going to win. Um, I think UCLA goes into Eugene and wins this game. I think they're the better football team. I think they're better coached right now. And I think they're just playing a hell of a lot better than what Oregon is playing. So, I mean, I'll be, I'm going to take the points. I'm not going to be that greedy. I'm going to take the points that they're giving UCLA. But I think they're a better team. And I think they go in there and keep playing at the level they're playing and the momentum going. Yeah, look, Oregon is Oregon against Georgia was one team, and then they truly started playing like they should. I mean, that that first opening week loss, you can attribute it to being opening week or whatever, but that was a it was an eye opening, just ass beating, in my opinion. And look, Dan Lanning, good coach, know the man, he's got him going in the right direction, but Chip Kelly going home. He built that place into what it is right now. And I don't know. I think it's going to be personal for him. It's going to be a nice game day atmosphere for Oregon. It's going to be a personal environment for UCLA, in my opinion. Um, And I I think that the players are going to support their coach and go play their butts off, man. And I, I saw them play really, really hard against Washington and have it pay off. So, you know, I like them. I think that they're a really, really good football team. And, uh, yeah, I'm just going to take UCLA flat, bro. I wouldn't be surprised if they win by two touchdowns. They're uh, plus 175. I agree with you. I love the value on the money line. I like the Bruins plus the six. Another thing to keep an eye on in this game is uh, there's some light rain that's showing up. If that light rain turns into, you know, showers throughout this game, the under 70 and a half, might not be a bad play if it rains. Uh, DTR is going to need to stay hot in order for him to get that win. And uh, I hope he does. All right, guys. Uh, I'm going to take us to Stillwater, Oklahoma, where the Cowboys are getting six and a half points at home against the Texas Longhorns. We've played there. Uh, there's something about Stillwater, guys. It's a really tough place to play. Um, I also remember watching OU go to Stillwater last season and get hosed by Big 12 officials, similar to the hosing that we saw USC take in that Utah game last Saturday. Texas is leaving the Big 12. I think the Pokes will have the edge with the Zebras here. I'm buying this thing to seven and taking the points in Stillwater. Bob, you got any thoughts on this one? I agree with you, man. I mean, obviously, this is a that's a much different stadium than the dump we played in years ago. Yeah, do you uh, remember that place? Our city <laughs> was it's like a high school stadium back then. Yeah. But uh, I, I mean, I, I am surprised that the line is the way it is. Um, Oklahoma State's pretty good, and Texas has had some moments of good and bad. Um, I haven't seen. I've seen Oklahoma State be pretty, you know. Sh- sh- the same team week in and week out. They lost to a really good TCU team. So, I mean, I uh, I like the, I like the Cowboys and the points for sure. 
Chaz? Uh, look, I, I personally think that Oklahoma State, if they can ever figure out how to finish the season, you know, they they should be playing in the playoff. They should have played in the playoff last year if they can. They're six inches away from that the playoff right there in the Big 12 title game. Um, Gundy has really built that place into a powerhouse looking at it. Uh, I, I hate the fact that they, they should be going to the SEC with with uh, with fucking Oklahoma and take take Texas Tech with Texas or what make it work, you know what I'm saying? But of course they're not going to. Um, this so this is personal for Oklahoma State. Texas is a big brand. They're playing well. They're going to recruit well. Yada yada yada. Uh, but the this game specifically is going to be up and down the field, and I think they're going to be at each other's necks the entire time too. It's going to be chippy. It's going to be nasty. They're going to be flying around, knocking the shit out of each other. Uh, I like Oklahoma State to just win it outright uh, and, and beat Texas. And also, I think a lot of people are overvaluing that Texas win over Oklahoma, who played a backup quarterback in that game. And really, without D- Dylan Gabriel, they're a completely different team. And that is why I think that Texas is getting the points on the road in this game. Let's jump to the SEC, Bob, where Ole Miss is getting two and a half points in Baton Rouge against LSU. The over-under in this game is 67. Wow. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm a fan of, of Ole Miss and, and Lane Kiffin and the way they play football. Um, I am not a fan of Brian Kelly and that fraud that's happening down in Baton Rouge, in my opinion. I went against LSU a couple weeks ago. It's not the same place during the day. They're not playing at night in Death Valley. So, and again, here's my second road dog that I think, I think Old Miss goes into Baton Rouge and wins this game outright. I don't think LSU is very good. Um, they have gotten a little bit better as the season has gone on. I just think Old Miss on the offensive side of the ball has way too much firepower. Um, and, and again, it, this goes back to it, it. Brian Kelly, I don't think he fits in at LSU, number one. Number two, it's a road game in Death Valley, different, I mean, a day game in Death Valley, not the same thing as it is at night when that place is rocking. So I'm going with the, with the Rebels and Old Miss uh, on the road. Uh, look, Old Miss, first of all, <laughs> Old Miss, you know, if everybody's got to change their names and their image, if the Indians have to get rid of their name and image and Chief Yahoo can't be on the field, can we get rid of the <clears throat> Old Miss Confederates? I mean, come on, man. Let's just be real. The con- the the mascot is literally a Confederate soldier standing on the sideline. So, as a black dude in America, how can you play for them? Just my thought pattern. I know I'm crazy, Cause but some, shit. Because some because some normal people don't give a damn about that, and it's been around. This is forever. true. I don't really care about it either. I'm just the hypocrisy is crazy to me. It's not going to no, keep me no. from watching the game or anything. Uh, I think Old Miss might be the best team in the SEC, just hands down. Um, they, they can play, bro. They are up and down the damn field. And, you know, Lane Kiffin for all of the, you know, all the public backlash and he's this, he's that got him right. And he's bought into the NIL and he is rolling with it. Mississippi state is also a really quality program, uh, in the state of Mississippi right now, that egg bowl at the end of the year is going to be nuts. Um, but don't be surprised if Old Miss ends up representing the Western Division in the SEC title game at the end of the year, bro. I think they're good enough to beat Alabama down the road, too. So I think, I I'm, think I'm they're really damn good. good. Yeah. Well, this game's a little bit out of my lane. I'll take you guys' word for it. 
Uh, take us to Fort Worth, Ches, where Kansas State is getting three and a half points at TCU. The over-under in this game is 54 and a half. So, look, Kansas State, Martinez, <clears throat> that's his name, right? The quarterback from Nebraska. Adrian, yeah. Yeah, he, he comes mm-hmm. in from Nebraska, hasn't thrown a pick all year. Really looks like he's at home in Manhattan. Uh, I have a great relationship with those guys. We send a hell, a hell of a lot of players out to Manhattan from Dalton Reisner to, you know, the, a lot of the current players that are on the roster now. We're sending out some uh, for the game and next week, actually. So, look, I, I think that Colin Klein, the quarterback coach, offensive guru there at Kansas State, played at Loveland High School here in Colorado. He's got Martinez playing at an extremely, extremely high level. And not just from a running perspective and the RPO stuff, just in everything from leadership to getting the ball out on time to converting third down, everything just keeps getting better. Uh, the two lane loss is ugly on the resume, but it doesn't really do anything but wake up a good team. Um, it may keep them from winning something down the road, but it's a playoff. If they get in and win, they get in and win. Uh, any other loss for, for Kansas State and it's done. TCU, on the other hand, is uh, TCU is pretty damn good, bro. Like they they really bring the wood and they play hard and they've shown a lot of uh, a lot of heart and spine with their comebacks and the way they've been playing, um, being down in multiple games and coming back and winning. This is a really really hard game to like pick just outright because Kansas State is the king of going on the fucking road and beating people when you don't think they're going to. So all that said. Okay, I'm going to take the over on the points. I just think it's the defenses are going to play well, but bro, like there's going to be more than 54 and a half points score total in this one, in my personal opinion. And then, regardless of how hard it is to win uh, in Fort Worth, Kansas State's getting three and a half. I'm taking Kansas State outright. I think that they walk into Fort Worth and kind of make the entire Big 12 even more of a cluster. Because there's going to be a ton of teams that have one loss. So I'm taking the Wildcats. Bob? Uh, I think it's going to be a great game. I, I like TCU. That dude they got playing receiver is a beast, man. Uh, mm. And their quarterback's playing well. Um, you it's know, I don't think this bro. Yeah, he's a monster. I like the over for sure. I don't think I like betting anything else on this game um, because you make a good point, Chez. Kansas State usually walks in and ruins people's seasons in that conference. Um, so, and, you know, it's been a while since TCU has been in a, in a position like this. And um, so it, it, I think it, I think it's a tough game to, to bet outright, but I, I definitely think there'll be more than 54 points scored. Uh, Kansas state plays some defense. They can run it. Give me the wildcats and their ball control offense to slow TCU down and pull off the upset in this game. I really like that running back, too, from Kansas State. I can't remember his name, but he reminds me a ton of Darren Sproles. He's quick as a hiccup, uh, man. He's quick as a hiccup, man. Deuce, Deuce Vaughn, I think his name is. He's a damn good football player, bro. All right, guys. Uh, let's go to the Alamo, where UTSA is a 10-point favorite at home against North Texas. The over-under in this game is 72 and a half. Wow. North, North Texas got crushed by SMU. They got crushed by UNLV. I think they're going to get crushed by UTSA. I don't think they are in the same class as the Roadrunners. I like UTSA in a double-digit victory. Uh, but if you want to play this thing safe, I'd look to buy it down to three or four points in a teaser. 
Bob, you got any thoughts on this one? Uh, man, I'm going to lean on your words. And this is this is out of my lane. I don't know a damn thing about either of these schools or this game. So I am going to – I'm going to I'm going to pass on this one. Chaz, you got any thoughts in this one? Pass. <laughs> I actually have watched UTSA play a couple times this year. They play hard as shit, bro. And I think that they're really focused as a program trying to – when these schools jump conferences, they're trying to jump up into one of these, you know, Conference USA, Mountain West type conferences and get out of the Sun Belt. Um, I, I mean, in North Texas is North Texas. Uh, that number, the seven, what'd you say, 73 and a half? Uh, 72 and a half, I think. That's pretty, that's yeah. large. So, I mean, it, you, I don't think you should lose sleep if you take the over. Because they they can score fucking points and they they do give up a lot as well as they're very uh, aggressive and blitz happy. So you know once you get into this point in the season, there's tape on everyone, so you can really find opportunities to chop people up in college. Where the NFL game is just turning into it's like watching people trying to play golf with rocks. It's terrible. Well, let's let's get to the NFL. Uh... Where the Giants are getting three points in Jacksonville, Bob. The over-under in this game is 43. Here's my third my third road dog of this weekend, guys. I am liking the Giants' defense, first and foremost, number one. Number two, I really like – we have the Saquon Barkley back that we had a few years ago, and he's playing well. David Jones is playing well at the quarterback position, and – Come on. The Jaguars are the Jaguars. All right. And so um, I'd like, I mean, I would get this up to three and a half by that hook. And so you, you don't get screwed over on, on a last second field goal. But um, I think the Giants are playing really damn good. And it's, it's defense and running the football. And that's what win, that's what wins football games. So I like the Giants going down there, taking those points and uh, winning on the road. Yeah. New Yorkers love going to Florida. Um, and I, I think that the Giants are on a roll. This is a make-or-break game for Jacksonville. This could be one of the turning point games for them. Um, Peterson has intimate knowledge of the Giants. He was in that division. I'm sure he's going to use it. This is going to be a hell of a close game. Don't think that it's going to be a blowout on either side, in my personal opinion. Uh, that said, the Giants are the Giants have a lot of the traits that you're looking for in today's NFL. And to be honest with you, Brian Dayball walking in there, he's, he's turning Daniel Dimes, a guy who I thought, you know, couldn't play dead in the cowboy fucking movie, man. And a guy that looks pretty good. And you really have to figure out if you're going to keep this guy on the giants roster, are you going to pay him? Like those questions are now being thrown up. Like, what are we going to do if he's, developed this much in six weeks what can we expect in a year from now so uh jacksonville with, with trevor lawrence and what they're building uh i think that peterson's the right guy for that they obviously <laughs> made a terrible hire with with old urban and uh you know it's this is a this is a tough game to pick um i would take the under i think there's going to be not many points scored and points are going to be at a premium. Jacksonville plays hard at home. Uh, but I'll take the Giants on the road as well. I like that pick by Bob. 
Uh, I'm with both of you guys. Uh, all I will say is this, Ches, you said something last year that constantly rings in my ear whenever I'm looking to bet an NFL game, and that's the NFL has a sneaky way of evening itself out. Uh, give me the Jags at two and four to win the game on a last second field goal. I'm buying one point other we, other either way against the spread, uh, depending on where the money lands. Push the Giants up to plus four or the Jaguars down to minus two. Let's go to Denver, Chez, uh, where two teams that you played for are going at it uh, in, uh, in, in, in Broncos Stadium. The Jets are a one-point underdog. The over-under in this game is 38 points. Under. Um, <laughs> look, if, Ru- if Russell plays with the hurt hamstring and the lat and all this other crazy shit that's going on, this guy – Oh, this guy is really bothering me. And I don't know how you feel as a quarterback, Bob, but I, I am – things I'm hearing, like you got to go through his goddamn publicist to set up a phone call with him and, like, just the smugness and these fucking commercials and the fact that, it, like, he's still up there talking about drinking Wolverine blood and he's really happy about how terrible they're playing and He's dead last in offensive points scored and on a team that I thought for sure unequivocally would be competitive at least. So offensively, look, I mean they're competitive on defense. Look, they're yeah. defense yeah. real, but the hundred and twenty million dollar man money does funny money and fame. Million dollars, dog. You got two hundred fifty, and and the dead that's cap a quarter, number for that's rough a quarter next year is a hundred million dollars. A hundred fucking million dollars is dead cap number. So. I take the under. Both these defenses are balling. My Jets are, man, I was like doing sprints around my house the other day watching them in Green Bay. It was awesome. Uh, They've got elite defensive talent at every level of the defense. Quentin Williams is turning into what they drafted, number three or whatever. Um, Sauce Gardner is fucking dope. That kid can play. Smooth hips, long arms. It's going to be a problem. Um, That said, I... I know Broncos country is going to be mad at me about this one, but I'm taking the under, and I think the Jets go on the road and get another W. For the simple fact that I don't think Russ is healthy, that's not that's not a good mix against the Jets. They are not fucking around. And I don't know if I trust Rippon to step in and play at a high enough level to bring Denver to the brink of, of victory. Also, I need to ask you guys this opinion. Um, what happens if Rippon steps in and plays really well? And like Russ is actually hurt, or like goes down in the first quarter, and he's got a really bad hamstring pull, and Rippin beats the Jets, beats Jacksonville. They have a week off, and then he comes back after the bye and wins another game. And then Russ wants to come back. What do you do? I mean, obviously you start Russ, right? Bob, you're the quarterback. You're paying him too much money. You have to. You're paying him too much money. But here's my take on Russell Wilson, man. I think. I think him out of Seattle – well, listen, he wasn't very good last year either, so let's not act like he lit it up last year in Seattle when before the Broncos no, went paid pretty bad. But um, I think he's being exposed as a leader, guys. When he was in the Seahawks, he didn't have to be a leader. The dudes they had on that team, Pete Carroll as the head guy, he didn't have to. He didn't have to walk into the locker room and call people out. When you got Richard Sherman and those other dudes that were on that defense, they were built differently, man. And he he walked into a Denver team that didn't have anybody like that, and he and he I think he's being exposed as a leader. The guys aren't following him; they're not rallying around him. 
And that's why they're not very good. I mean, he is he is a shell of what he used to be. What do they do, Bob? I mean, this, bro, this could cripple. I'm well, not talking I mean, about I, like it's a bad. I think move. the whole this deal, is... right? You have you have a, a new ownership group that didn't hire Hackett, and he's not looking to be that great of a head coach. I mean, oh, I'm not talking X's and O's. I'm just talking decision making, right? So he could be one and done with the new ownership group in there. But I mean, you're 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 stuck with Russell Wilson. I mean, no one's trading for him. No one's taking on that contract. So you're stuck for a few more years with that guy. 